Kinging away, Fox's beard, Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Cedar's cat, Kempex hat, Q is sad, enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody, let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. Welcome to episode Triple Nickels of Track Talk. And that's right, 555. Hard to believe, but we made it. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying welcome to the podcast. Before we go too far, I'd like to introduce to you guys my awesome truck first, and we'll start off with Charles out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. Enjoying the fact that these, this crazy weather, we're still staying below triple digits. Might see him a little bit this weekend and back down the 90s. Though well, I was I gotta... happy I'm, I was happy I wasn't in town last weekend. Las Vegas tried to float away. Well, speaking of last week, uh, before we go too far, I want to say thank you to everybody who wished me and my wife Karen a happy anniversary. Uh, Thirty-one years we've been married, and for those Woo-hoo. of you who are wondering, yes, that was Carl Striken, A.K.A. Mr. Holm, and Lurch from the Adams family. At my wedding in the pictures with me and my wife. It's a a true story. He was there. So thank you to each and every one of you guys for wishing us a happy anniversary. And actually, actually, it's been 41 years because we were dating for 10 years before we got married. So thank you so much to everybody um, for wishing us a happy anniversary. I just wanted to get that out of the way. And uh, we up here in Vermont are having our first heat wave of the entire season. It has been 90 for three days in a row for the first time all summer, and it never happens, particularly this late in the season. So the weather is weird, 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 weird. So also, guys, before I forget, I also want to introduce you to my Portland trifecta, uh, my triple play from Portland. We'll start off with David, the donut guy. How you doing, David? Uh, pretty good. Staying weird. That's what Poland's all about. <laughs> yes, you are, man. Yes, you are. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm only going to be here it. for a little bit of the uh, podcast, and I have to take off. So He's got a time to make the donuts, right? <laughs> and also from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing pretty good now, Jim. I had kind of like one of those rough days that you sometimes have at the office. And then when I came home, I started kind of poking around on the Internet, you know, getting prepped for the show. And 
And I had one of those like cool trivia moments where you learn something that you sort of already knew, but you didn't realize you knew it. And then all of a sudden the trivia pops into your head and you're like, oh, that's really cool. So my trivia for today is our first look at the 31st century was in Star Trek Voyager's Living Witness. Boom. Truth bomb. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> and, I know. Uh, could have been a little more dramatic, also, but you know, I did what I could. <laughs> well, it, it worked. It, it worked. <laughs> and uh, we also have with us our very own Paul, the toy guy, and he's also from Portland as well. How you doing tonight, Paul? I'm doing well, friends. Just scrambling to get myself in position here, but doing good. I hope you're, everyone else is doing great as well. It's going to be fun. We have a very busy show. Like I said, I didn't have a show last week because it was my anniversary, so we've got a lot to try to squeeze in tonight. Um, before we get too far, though, uh, next weekend in Portland, we have AlienCon. Correct Talking will be there in force. Uh, all of our Portland contingent will be there, so please look for them. If you'd like to win a pair of tickets to Alien Con in Portland, uh, you can give us a call right now at 646-668-2433, and uh, we can hook you up. Or you can go to trektalking.com and look for the little blue talkback mic in the bottom right-hand corner and leave us a little message and tell us why you deserve to be at AlienCon, and we'll hook you up with a pair of tickets. It is a Saturday night, Eric? Friday night. Friday night. Friday night the 15th. Friday night. Right. So we don't have a lot of and time. And, Eric, is it true um, that you're allowing people from out of town to stay at your house? That's really uh, uh, yeah. generous of you, man. Yeah. yeah. I just I heard they're eating at your place, but, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> they're eating in my garage. <laughs> they but... <did. laughs> They're eating bird seed, which there I think is, you know, what all the cool aliens uh, eat if they're visiting Earth. Don't you know that? Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. 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 With yeah. knife and fork, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah. So if, if you're wondering what exactly AlienCon is, don't you worry, because I've got a promo. Interested in aliens? AlienCon is an exploration to the unexplained mystery that exists between science fact science fiction. Experience the long-running hit program Ancient Aliens live on tour. This interactive event explores thought-provoking extraterrestrial theories on fan-favorite topics from ancient Egypt to the moon. Ancient Aliens Live lands at Portland's Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall on Friday, September 15th. Tickets on sale now at ancientaliensLiveTour.com. Absolutely, and you can be there. Just give us a call at 646-668-2433 right now, live, or go to trektalking.com and look for the blue talkback mic in the bottom right-hand corner. Either way, you can pick up a pair of tickets to AlienCon live. Without any further ado, I want to move things along here. Um, Every week on our Facebook page, um, I pick some lucky listeners. And we mention them by name in a fan shout-out. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout-out? 
I absolutely do. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Fuat Dogan, who is saying hello to us from Bremerhaven, Germany, sending us a smiley face. Fuat, thank you so much for saying hello to us right there from the middle of Europe. We really appreciate your support. We're also saying hello this week to Alex Ellers-Menzel, who is saying hello to us from Denmark and sending us a little Danish flag there. Uh, Live long and prosper to you, Alex. Uh, really appreciate your support up there in Scandinavia. Also saying hello this week and sending a big thank you out to Tibor Kolinzar, who is saying hello to us from a Hungary and sending us the Hungarian flag. I'm noticing a, a uh, emoji uh, fest here that may or may not have attracted Jim's attention. Nice work, Tibor. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for listening to us. And my final fan shout-out goes out to top fan Eduardo Lirio Viana, who's saying hello to us from Belo Horizonte. Horizonte? Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Uh, didn't do my research. Not sure where that is exactly. You got any ideas there, Paul? I, I don't know. I thought that was maybe a Brazilian flag, brother. It kind of uh, looks like a Brazilian flag, maybe. I, yeah, I think that, it that is. Belo Horizonte. I'm going to check for you really quickly here. I'm I'm opening up the Gary in Seven. Maybe I again. It. it is a city in Brazil. You're correct. I just uh, yeah. Well, so there, oh, there you go. Yes. I just checked the Gary Seven computer and confirmed. <laughs> Well, Eduardo, sorry for not knowing where your joint was straight away, but now I'm going to go research it because that's the kind of guy I am. And we always appreciate support of top fans like you, top fan status, meaning you interact with us a lot on our Facebook page, sending us memes, looking at our memes, saying hello to us in the comments. We really appreciate all that kind of stuff because uh, honestly, reaching out to you all is what we love to do. Right, Charles? No, that's correct. So let's start off with my end. Let's start off with Heather Mitchell from Southern California. I know a, uh, quite a few Star Trek ships in Southern California from two different fleets. Top fan Arlene K. Knudsen from North Dakota. Mia Fortenberry from Mississippi. I work with a Fortenberry. Irene Rich Liz from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, welcome. David, who's on your list? David has disappeared. David, David. are you there, David? <laughs> David, Dave's I am attempting to mind meld with you. Well, Dave's David not, is dead. Dave's not here. Dave's not here, <laughs> well, man. So uh, okay, maybe I'll... Well, I guess top, top fan Danny Mathis from North Idaho. Welcome. Mary Hoffman from Howell, Michigan. Welcome. Martin Bonk from Charlotte, North Carolina. And Michael Wharton from Dorath, Alabama. Dothan, baby. It's Dothan, Alabama. Dothan, Alabama. Okay. I know some people there. I just much, happen to know it. John didn't spend much time in Alabama. Maybe, well, maybe I might know somebody in Paul's list. Or maybe not. It's possible, friend. It's entirely possible. Because we are all one magical species, united in humankind. 
despite our many eccentricities. So I got all kinds of good folks I want to say hello to here today. Um, and I always love this section because we get to remind ourselves that we are a planet with various people all over the place uh, in various countries. But you know what? We all have a lot in common. We dig nacelles on starships and phaser banks and aliens with ridges on their foreheads and cool stories and uh, bat lists and uh, all kinds of good stuff. So we're united by our love of Star Trek, which brings us all together. And no one exemplifies that more than top fan Maximiliano Leclerc in the hotbed of fandom that is Argentina. And Maximiliano has got his flags a-flying quadruply so in this particular case here and is a major top fan. And as Eric said, that means he interacts with us a bunch on the Facebook page and is a massive Star Trek enthusiast. So great to hear from you, Maximiliano. Thank you for reaching out and saying hello. and Thank you for being a fan. Oh, slightly farther afield on other hemispheres, we're going to Orebro, Sweden, uh, to our good friend Boa Berg, who is saying hello to us there from that magical land. We've got a really cool Swedish thing happening here in Oregon, in Portland right now, where a big Swedish art installation is happening. Uh, Boa, it is absolutely cool, and uh, it made me want to visit your part of the country, uh, your part of the world, profoundly soon. So, <laughs> very inspiring things that come out of your homeland. It's great to hear from Marco Carriera in Lisboa, Portugal. Marco, hello. And I see Marco's got the live long and prosper hand sign flashing. Uh, all other Romulan gangs, beware when you see that Vulcan hand sign being flipped. It means that someone is serious, as serious as logic, Marco, as you know well. So great to hear from you. I always love hearing that there is uh, a strong fan contingent there in uh, in Portugal. So wonderful to hear from you. Thank you for reaching out and thanks for being a fan of all things Star Trek. Finally for me, and I can smell the cuisine from all the way over here, I can hear the corks popping because we are in Bologna, Italy, or that magical land where civilization is timeless and so is Star Trek fandom as exemplified by Maria Teresa Casquela. It is great to hear from you, Maria. You live in a wonderful part of the planet, and uh, I hope I'm lucky enough to visit there before too many other rotations pass, because that has got my name written all over it, friend. Great to hear that there is Star Trek fandom there, too. What a great place. I don't think I'd ever leave if I got there, because I know I'd be, uh, my palate would be extremely happy. That's my uh, slice of the uh, longitude and latitude of all things Trek this week, friends. Let's see who's got his name or her name on Uncle Jim's magical tablet. Uncle Jim. Well, we're going to spin the globe right back here to the continental U.S. of A. And we're going to say kapwa and thank you for listening to Christopher Walker from northern Nebraska, flashing us to live long and prosper. And the United States flag is waving proudly. We also want to say thank you to Mark Dial, who's listening to us in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thank you so much to Mark. We also want to say thank you to Judy Gerard Keegan, who's listening to us in Connecticut. And last but definitely not least on our list, I want to say thank you so much to top fan Edward Kelly, who's listening to us right now in Davenport. Iowa. 
If you guys would like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, it's very, very, very simple. Head over to our Facebook page and at the top, mute where you're from. Just tell us where you're from and be creative. You want to catch my attention and perhaps you will hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out. All right, guys, before we uh, go too far, um, we're going to be talking about Strange New World Season 2. We're going to take a look back at our favorite episodes, the highs and the lows from the season, and we're going to compare where you guys, our Facebook fans, thought the episodes rated as compared to ours. So uh, before we get too too far, though, um, I went down to Fandom Fest in Schenectady, New York at Proctor's Theater. It was two weekends ago, and we had a blast there. Um, We met a lot of great people. Karen and I gave out hundreds and hundreds of business cards to fans. It was a lot of fun. Alan Tudyk was there and Summer Glau. Um, I met them both, and they were absolutely a riot. Um, They were awesome. Uh, I want to say there was easily a 1,000 people there, maybe more. Uh, Proctor's Theater is huge. Uh, they have the upstairs, the downstairs, all the way up to the movie theater on the third floor. There's a lot of space there, so people are spread out all over. It's air-conditioned, which is really cool. I did a Star Trek panel on Saturday afternoon, and because it's not a Star Trek convention, I just wanted to do a, just a basic Star Trek panel because I didn't want to scare people away by doing one on Discovery or one on something specific. So I did Star Trekking Across the Universe was the name of my panel. Unfortunately, they put my panel on the same time as Summer Glau and Alan Tudyk were in the main hall. So I didn't expect, yeah, they did. I didn't expect anybody to show up. So uh, Karen and I packed up the Trek talking table before we went up to the panel because I was expecting to just go home. But lo and behold, there were 20 people at the panel. Wait, so 20 people chose happy. your panel over Summer Glau? Yes. That's yes. amazing. Can you believe that? It's amazing. I was thrilled, thrilled to death. Um, so, And I got to say something else, too. It is so much fun. I mean, Star Trek conventions are great. Star Trek fans are the best fans. I say that all the time. But there's something to be said about talking with starts with fans that aren't necessarily Star Trek fans. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, it's that you're... it's the position that you get to be in where if you're the type of person like teachers kind of fit into this category where you love to see that moment where something sparks in somebody's eye as you're describing it to them. I feel like it's it's like that when you're representing Star Trek and nobody else in the room knows about Star Trek, you're like the ambassador. And if you get off on that kind of thing, it's actually a really cool position to be in. It, it was awesome. Uh, I, we, we talked about Strange New Worlds. We talked about Discovery. Uh, we talked about TOS. There were people there that never saw the cage. We talked about that a little bit. Um, and even even the volunteer from Proctors uh, who was in the room, um, Barbara, uh, who, who wasn't really aware of Star Trek all that much, after the panel was over, she ran over and told me she learned so much about Star Trek and she showed me a picture on her phone of her meeting William Shatner, Trek Conoroga, years ago, pre-COVID. <laughs> so the panel was a lot of fun. And I told people, 
at the panel, or actually the whole weekend. I said, listen, guys, I have three copies of Strange New Worlds on Blu-ray, and I want to give it to you. But, 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 you've got to call our hotline. You have to go to trucktalking.com, click on the blue talkback mic, and leave me a message. And you got to make it creative. Catch my attention. Don't just say, hey, I was here. It was fun. Make it creative. Catch my attention, and you will win. It's that simple. It's that easy. I met a lot of great people. We had we had a lot of calls, and these are the three the three winners. Uh, the first one um, that I'm going to play for you guys. You would. I, I really wish that they would put these in order so I could find them easier. Um, but I, I'm. I'm Da, 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 da. Here it is. One I want to play for you guys is Olga. And uh, she called and left this message for us at trucktalking.com. Hi there. Uh, just leaving a message saying that uh, I had a good time at Fandom Fest at Proctor's. I really enjoyed the paint and sip, and Alan Tudyk and Summer Glau's panel was really entertaining. Saw some great costumes especially the uh, Barbie 7 of 9 and the girl with big white wings. Not sure who that is, but it was a great costume. Um, really enjoyed all the vendors, especially the ones with dice um, and the animals made out of minerals. That was really, really cool. Uh, I feel like it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'd say it was better than last year. Uh, and uh, I wish I could have gone to the Star Trek talk, but unfortunately it was scheduled opposite uh, the uh, Alan Tudyk and Summer Glau show, so unfortunately I was not able to make it. I was really disappointed about that. But otherwise, had a great time. And... So that was Olga. Uh, the second person who called up and won was Amanda. She was a nurse. I remember talking to her first thing in the morning. Uh, she was one of the first fans to the door. She was walking around with um, with an eyeball floating. It was Saruman's eye, I believe it was, and a drink. And they had all kinds of food and stuff there. And she was one of the first people that came over the table. I gave her a card and told her to go to trucktalking.com, leave me a message, make it creative. And this is what Amanda left for us. Hello, Trek Talking. My name is Amanda, and I'm a nurse here in Albany, New York. I just wanted to start by saying thank you for chatting with us at your table today, and I'm definitely looking forward to exploring your content more. I always love a new podcast. My favorite part of Fandom Fest was browsing the vendor gallery half-buzzed on an event specialty cocktail with a floating eyeball in it. I think it was called the Eye of Sauron. That was unique, and that was quite enjoyable. Uh, it's Awesome just being able to support local artists, particularly the nerdy, geeky ones. And honestly, the vendors were all so nice that I ended up buying about a dozen more stickers than I planned on. Speaking of the creative vendors out there today, I must say that my ADHD ass was inspired. I'm talking maximum warp, thinking of all the ways that I could make a craft hobby like to sell next year. So kudos to everyone who could make that kind of passion a reality and put their work out there. The cosplay competition was a highlight for sure. The best contestant by far was a toddler Spider-Man whose charisma brought so much joy to the entire audience as he jumped around the stage and fought with arguably the worst contestant. I don't know if he counts as a contestant, but his dad, who I would refer to as like the greenish goblin. 
no shade, a little shade. You could do better. The event overall was so well organized. There was lots to do. It was a great way to kick off nerdy season with New York Comic Con on the horizon. So if anyone else is looking for a good reason to put off doing homework this weekend, this is it. All right, guys. And I was telling you about my panel. Sitting up in the front row, I was so excited when I saw this family. Uh, Rachel was there with her family. They were wearing, she was wearing a blue lower deck costume, and she had her two daughters with her. One of them might have been 10, and the other one might have been 7. I'm not, and they were the biggest Star Trek fans. Um, we were talking about the strike. We were talking about lower decks. Her daughter was absolutely thrilled to talk with me about Star Trek, and they made the panel completely, totally enjoyable. And I was so happy when Rachel called and left a message. So this is what Rachel had to say about Phantom Fest. Star Trekking across the universe, boldly going forward because we can't find reverse. Kapla, Uncle Jim, I'm Rachel, and we met at Phantom Fest this past weekend. I was in the science uniform from the Cerritos, and I brought my two daughters to the panel on Saturday. You asked us a question about what we liked best about Fandom Fest. Since there were three of us, they told me I had to include them. My youngest daughter said she loved all the costumes. My oldest was amazed by the fantastic artwork and everyone's creativity. And me, well, you'd think that would be obvious since I came in uniform and specifically for your panel. But no, it wasn't. My favorite part was watching my oldest daughter call herself a Trekkie and geek out over Strange New World's Subspace Rhapsody. She told everyone in the room about how it was her favorite series episode trope, where everybody breaks out in a song and nobody knows why. (laughs) And she told her friends she was only going to the panel to watch her mother geek out over Star Trek. I couldn't have been a prouder geeky mama in that moment. And now I have Star Trek memories for both my children. Thank you. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Live long and prosper. And Rachel's absolutely right because we broke into song. Why are we singing? Why are we singing? (laughs) And uh, we talked about singing, dancing, Klingons, and her daughter was, was the highlight of the panel. Panels are always so fun when people interact with you and you're not just a talking head. And, um, she was awesome. Her daughter was absolutely awesome. So congratulations to everybody who who left the message, and I'll be dropping your Star Trek Strange New World Season 1 Blu-rays in the mail to you. So the face. All right, guys. So that's my, my Fandom Fest report. Wow, Jim. Those last awesome. couple, that, like all three of those were just really amazing recordings. You could hear the um, the enthusiasm in people's voices, which is really cool. I just, that's really, you know, makes me happy. Well, you know what it was? People were asking, you know, like, when are we going to see more Star Trek? When are we going to see Strange New World the next season? And so uh, I brought up the strike a little bit. And I, I didn't want to get into stuff too heavy, but Rachel's daughter knew everything about the strike and, and raised her hand like it's a classroom and started telling everybody about the AI and everything else. I mean, she did her homework. She knew what she was talking about. And it was, it was so much fun. Next year, I'm going to do quite a few more panels. And I've already reached out to J.K. Woodard 
and he's going to show up there and sit at the Trek talking table and sign for people, and we're going to have more of a Star Trek presence. So it's going to be a lot of fun at Phantom Fest next year. So, And it's, it's so great when you see that Star Trek light go off somebody's eyes. It's incredible. So, yeah, that was my experience at Phantom Fest. A lot of fun. All right, guys. So we're going to talk about Strange New World Season 2 overall. And uh, we asked you guys, the Facebook fans, to score each episode every week. And the Trek Spurts here at Trek Talking did the same thing. So we're going to go through the 10 episodes and see where you place them versus where we place them. So coming in at number 10 for our Facebook fans was the episode Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And that's the one where James Kirk and, and La'an go back in time. Section 31 is involved. We see Khan. Um, they eat hot dogs. They play chess. Um, we find out that um, Pella is hiding away up in Burlington, Vermont. And that was the episode that our Facebook fan said was the worst of the season. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I when I first saw that episode, it felt a little tropey to me with the whole time travel thing, and it just um, it didn't fit into the uh, the aesthetic, I guess, of Strange New Worlds. But here's what I will say: I did dig on, even though it was a little forced. I felt at first. I'm kind of starting to warm up to it. I did dig on the Laon Kirk stuff. And to have that then come back and have a big comeback in Subspace Rhapsody, big fan of that. So I actually bumped my score a little bit for tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow after Subspace Rhapsody because I like the connection between the two. Well said, well, man. I, what, I think I got to yeah. echo what you said. I think that it really does. It For me, it benefited from a second viewing a lot first viewing it seemed really off and just like okay we're doing this to save budget kind of a thing right but uh, yeah. but I, and well there's some ungainly stuff in there with like Pelia and whatnot that seems a little you know out of place I think overall the the you got to give it to Lon man her chemistry and her talent's great and she just holds it together so well it was on my list it was number seven uh, for the you know, episodes of the of the season. So so interesting stuff. By far not the worst. Nope. Well not my yeah. Well for, for no, actually I was, I was one of the talk. higher on that one because I enjoyed that episode. But I don't mind the time travel. Time travel gives us an inter- a, a different perspective. We the Trexperts had at the bottom of the list was among the lotus eaters. That's the one that we collectively thought was the lowest scoring episode compared to what the fans thought. And, um, yeah, this one kind of left me, like, empty. You know, I I thought if they were going to go back to Rigel, they could have been a little bit better than that. And I also, Pike would never abandon a crew member. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that, that... that was my lowest one. Uh, Which one, Jim? Among the Lotus Eaters? Among the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, I Among the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, that was my bottom, too. It was my bottom as well, and I, 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 I feel like that's exactly what it is. Like, I had to go back and reread 
the episode description before tonight's show because I couldn't remember what happened. <laughs> I just remembered that I didn't like it. <laughs> That's, That's like that the premises of that episode. You just don't remember. Yeah. It's, well, it, it, the yeah. thing that bug me about it is it's a real. It's uh, you know the idea of like okay, wow, we're gonna go back and do like you know a, a flashback to Rigel, right? That we all know from the cage, right? What a blown opportunity, though, because that could have been so cool and so badass with the Kalars and whatnot. It could have been just incredible. And, and it just was so dull with the freaking, you know, surfs and whatnot. It was just like, oh, just, yeah, it was really uh, tedious. And like you said, Jim, uh, earlier, way out of character for Pike. You know, because he's beating the crap out of that guy, which just seems really uh, not good. I can't even think about good. it. Oh, not oh, good. It's just like a, who did, like, you know, somebody from, like, the, you know, Chuck Norris fan club write this? I mean, what's going on here? It's just I, just, really... I remember looking over at my wife and being like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah, like, it's kind of a lot of mortifying moments. And then when those weren't happening, the other alternative was it was just incredibly dull. And how you make the Rigel environment dull is just baffling you gotta so, try yeah you really gotta work at that so definitely my, my, i'm i like just about everything this season for the, for the most part we're really good but if i never see that episode again i'm cool mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. not good yeah. Yeah. all right well uh coming in at number nine for our fans was the episode the broken circle which is the uh, Spock drinking blood wine with the Klingons type of deal. And uh, this is the one where um, the doctor and Chapel go around and beat the crap out of Klingons for 29 minutes. Um, that's, uh, first, uh, first episode of the season, right, Jim? Yep. Yeah. Yes, the yeah, first, first one. one. Yeah, yep. first episode of the season. So this was our first take after a long hiatus of like, okay, what are we up? What are we in for this season? And this is what we got. So it kind of was oh, a little. Shit. It was a little. Uh, I kind of felt like we got the bends right. Like we we yeah. ascended from a depth too soon or too something. Fast. It's just like what's what's going on here? There was some fun moments in it though, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we there got was... Pelia. That was got... the introduction to Pelia in that episode. Yep. 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 But we also learned and, about uh, that adrenaline, which we learned about later in the series. Yeah, yeah. yeah that paid later. off. That was a seed that they planted there and paid off really well later, mm-hmm. for sure. Can I, and, you know, uh, in, let me, is it okay to interject before yeah, go we ahead. go deeper into, no, like, the ep- episode batting order? I'm just curious, guys. Since we're reviewing the season as a whole, I'm just really curious. What do we think about Pelia? Is that character working do we want more of that character? Do they seem like an engineer convincingly? What What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I for me personally, I, she doesn't, for me, she doesn't fit with the crew. She doesn't have the chemistry with the other crew the way they stand right now. So I'm not really digging her, but that's just me. Maybe she'll grow on me next season. But she is from Vermont. So that's a plus, but uh, and from French goes, yeah, she's just uh, have fun storming the castle. Well, uh, she just doesn't I, I have the I chemistry know. that like Emmer had, for instance. I think I know the comparison for me. She's my version of Pulaski for Eric. 
Pulaski mm. was Eric's favorite, one of Eric's favorite characters. She didn't have the same chemistry. And I think that's where Pelia fits for me. She doesn't have the same chemistry, but I like the character. She's mm-hmm. unique. She's a little odd. I can't wait to see what happens with her and Scotty. Next season, her and Scotty together. I'm curious to see what those two do together. She does feel like, uh, like Charles, she, with regards to what you just said, she feels like a bit of a dice roll. Like It feels like you kind of know what's going on with all the other characters, and you can you can like predict the way they're going to react to things. But with Pelia, you're just like, I yep. don't know, man. I'm going to roll the dice, and something might come up from a thousand years ago. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You never know what to expect from her. And she's had some points that, okay, she's been a little odd, but... When she and Ahura go through and sit there and say, Ahura's like, I got this idea. It's crazy. Kelly is like, I like crazy. Let's, what do you got? I mean, I, I have to say I exactly straddle and somehow try to put a foot in both that I just heard because I am simultaneously somehow completely in love with Pelia and her like whole um, – kind of guru nature like I feel like she's the one you just like eventually it feels like the crew will figure out oh oh she knows everything we should just go to her <laughs> and ask her the questions but that's a little bit of headcanon because that's not the way she's actually being presented on the show and I'm actually a little bit distracted by her funny accent that's not like any other accent that she tried to and and that's not to say that I can't read accents because I'm actually pretty good at it but th- in this case what it feels like to me is a person performing a part, and I haven't like fallen into her character because it feels like a stage, an overacted, like vaudeville-ish type. Like a little, maybe a little mannered. A little mannered, yeah, absolutely. No, that's a that's a very good description. It's it's like I I need to play this character who has this certain like je ne sais quoi, and I have to play them in a certain way, and as a result, I can't allow myself to fall enough into them to really make yeah. it convincing to people who can read yeah. well on screen. I, th- yeah. I think that's that that fits for me too. You remember uh, TOS? You remember Doctor Severin and the Space totally. Hippies? Totally. Yeah. All right. Yep. So what I'm looking for, dude, is a prequel appearance of Doctor Severin and the Space Hippies. Oh. Pelia goes off with them, right? <laughs> and she go. basically hands the keys to the engine room over to Scotty and says, you do a good job, young man. I go now with hippies. Bye-bye. There we go. I, I think love everyone it. everyone would be happy. Okay, that would be the perfect send-off <laughs> for her. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She's a good fit for them, man. She's not a good fit she for is. this crew for me. But, you know, she's just a, a little too odd. And, you know, it's like for one season, sure. But for for multiple seasons, do we, I don't know that I, you know, especially where now we know we got Scotty coming right yeah, I yeah they... she might also surprise us later on so mm-hmm. but she brings joy she's like that interjection of energy every once in a while that you're just like oh that's kind of weird and it makes me sort of giggle a little bit um but mm-hmm. i can't take her seriously as yeah. like a real good character on the show huh. well the the big the big cliffhanger <laughs> the big the big secret that we're waiting to find out is that she's actually scotty's mother that can't be true. So. <laughs> the canon, All right, the canon people are searching Google right now <laughs> to disprove it. <laughs> so uh, coming in, coming in for for uh, the Trek spurts, 
at number nine was tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. So we were flipped with the fans. Our 10 and 9 were flipped. So coming in at number 8 for our, um, for our Facebook fans was Among the Lotus Eaters, uh, which we just we talked about earlier. And coming in at number 8 for the truck spurts was Lost in Translation. That was the episode that I fell asleep watching actually watched a couple of times. <laughs> I just, just, I don't know. It just didn't grab me. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think but, I was the, I may or may not have been the high vote on this one. I remember kind of liking mm-hmm. this just a little bit more than maybe the gang did. I, 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 I think but, I was, I think I was pretty um, up there too. Oh, maybe you were. One. Yeah. So why did you, yeah, like it, I think, well, we got an interesting perspective of Hammer as a spirit, and we got to see uh, we got to see some activity. We got to see a bit of a Rahura episode where she kind of got to shine in her abilities. And this is, is one this of the few one times we've ever life seen. Yes, and this okay. is one of the this occasions the... where she says something, and Pike says. You heard her. Blow up station. Destroy it. So we got yeah, to see Pike showed a bit of respect for her. Yeah. Yep, zombie hammer. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with this episode. I was really hoping for a completely separate story plot with the Gorn. I was really expecting the Gorn to show up, but apparently not. <laughs> So uh, Lost in Translation came in at number seven for the fans. Coming in at number seven for the truck spurts was The Broken Circle, which we already talked about. So um, coming in at number coming in at number six, fans, was the season finale, Hegemony. Uh Yeah, number six. Didn't come in number yeah. six for us, but it did for our Facebook well, fans. Well, and let's be clear, Jim, like a number six in this season's ratings is still a rating over nine. So like the fact that it's number yeah. five, number six, whatever, doesn't mean that like to me, these there are fine. This is where Paul's argument against decimals probably has merit because, <laughs> you know, depending on how, you know, how much food somebody has or whether they're in a good mood or whatever. They may have voted 9.2 or 9.3 in, like, these last six episodes, uh, you know, could be yeah, anywhere I mean, in that uh, range. Let's remember, too, it's just like I feel like, and I think we all have consensus on this, right? The the second half of this season was just really solid. Boom. I think we, we got a lot of really good episodes on the back 40, right? And uh, I loved uh, Hegemony. I thought Hegemony was great, but it's number six on my list. Yeah. Right. Just because there's so many other ones that are just so freaking strong that had come, uh, you know, on the right nearby. So it was. I think you're right, man. Just, you know, 9.2, 9.4. And like you look at the fan scores and there's that one dude who like, oh, I give it because <laughs> I, I don't like, yeah, totally. I don't like gravity, you know, or whatever. <laughs> just tanks the overall metric. Right. And you're like, oh, fine. So I don't know that we fall prey to that as much. <laughs> <laughs> among the gang, but you know, every now and then there'll be somebody who's in a 
a fit of pique, as it will. But yeah, uh, sure. but yeah, I mean, it was I, it was the finale, right? I mean, you know, yeah. a lot happened, and it was certainly interesting. And you know, I, I think one of the and reasons was... that they let that the scores aren't as high for that. My prediction would be, and there's no nothing you can ever prove, but if that didn't end on a cliffhanger or the type of cliffhanger that it did end on, that I don't think people really cared for, um, I think the score for that episode would be way higher. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's also one of the stories that we didn't have much in the end of the season that had many parts. We had the A story, a B story, and a C story in there. What well, was happening and the engineering story happening in the planet? What was happening with Scotty and that group? We had quite a few intertwined stories in there. And Paul, to your point, I think if the writer strike wasn't going on right now, people may have rated it higher too, because people can't help but, you know, sort of not put into their calculation the fact that this was made before the writer's strike. And so I think people say, oh, man, cliffhanger and writer's strike. Oh, dang, it's going to be two years before I know what's going on in Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I think that vexed people. Yeah. So that was our Facebook fan number six. For the Trexpert, we picked Charade as number six. And like Paul I just want to point out something that Paul said. All of these scores are above nine. We're talking, they're separated by hundred, two, 9.7, 9.6, 9.8, 9.9. They're all right there. So it's just a personal preference. But for, for us, we put charades at number six. That, that was the one with, with us Spock having to go with the Pring and meet the family. No Vulcan DNA. And human. With human DNA. That episode was a riot. I I, I loved it. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, you know, Jim, super entertaining, man. Yeah and, yeah. and this episode to me, like they've already played with Spock's emotions in Strange New Worlds several times, which I think is so cool. And it all goes back to me to the cage, right? And that that moment where he's like exploring the blue flowers and he gets that big smile on his face and everybody's like, when they watch that later after his character is developed, they say, what, why is Spock smiling? And, and to me, they're just playing so um, interestingly now with that concept. They've done it with a relationship. They've done it, um, you know, with this like, Trekism of some of his DNA being removed and he's got to kind of fight against it. They've, they've developed Tapring as a really cool like way that he can bounce his emotions back and forth against another Vulcan. So I, to me, one of the great successes of Strange New Worlds through these two seasons is the way that they're portraying Spock. And of course, Ethan Peck is just freaking amazing. I mean, you can tell the guy loves playing the part, right? And I also thought it was great that they brought Mia Kirshner back to play the role of his mother from Discovery. I kind of, I like when they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, so that, that was, uh, yeah, that was um, a good episode. I, I enjoyed that one a lot. Okay. So are we ready to crack into the top five? Yep. All right. Woo! Let's do it. Coming in at number five, halfway through the season, the fans had those old scientists as number five. 
It ranks uh, quite a bit higher for the Trexpert, um, but the Facebook fans put it at a five. Coming in at number five for the Trexperts, though, was the episode we just talked about, the season finale, Agenemy. That came in at number five for us. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah I was Come. I was kind of surprised just a little bit, Jim, at the at, that this one didn't rate a little bit higher among the fans. Um, I know that there is there was quite a bit of resistance. I feel like to um, lower decks right when it first started. I think people didn't really know how to interpret a world where Star Trek was animated and it was making fun of itself. I feel like. Lower Decks has been so successful and, you know, over time gaining popularity that more and more people are watching it. But but still, this episode didn't resonate in the top, you know, four. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I was personally surprised that we rated it, you know, three spots higher than the fans did. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, re- it really it's, – it's interesting. And uh, coming in at number four, the fans put charades. And at number four, we have Under the Cloak of War. So, yeah. Well, I'll just say you know. that um, from my standpoint, Under the Cloak of War is is my number two. Um, I think it was – it's arguably the best episode, in my opinion, this season. Um, I just really – I thought it was amazing. Um, and I know that I, we're heading in that direction. So maybe I'll say more in just a little bit about that. Yeah, it was great. And I just have to, you know, it is surprising. I mean, I, for me, those old scientists was just so surprising, right? I mean, just wonderfully. So, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, if there's a theme to the second season, I think it's that, well, you know, a, the back half, second half of the season was just ridiculously strong, right? But I think also these guys just need to get such props because they really uh, took a lot of big swings this season, right? Uh-huh. And tried to do things that were really daring that initially when you hear about him, you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, combining yeah. anima- animation with, you know, uh, live action. I think everybody had their kind of weird biased reaction about what they thought that would look like before they saw it, right? And I think that may have maybe kind of biased folks a little bit in advance of seeing those old scientists. But, you know, an episode like that, and I know we'll probably spend a lot of time on Subspace Rhapsody, uh, really, and some of the comedic things that they did on the show, right? Or the darker things like what they did with Mbenga and War. Those are big, risky maneuvers, right, that I think were, you know, need to be praised because they didn't just cookie cutter and give the fans what they wanted, right? They really went out of their way to take some risks that they might not have been popular, but those risks paid off really well. And I just, I remember just, I could not stop smiling all the way through those old scientists. I thought it was just absolutely (laughs) delightful and worked better than I could have ever imagined, right? I mean, it really was just, I would love to see, I mean, it, lightning doesn't always strike twice, but man, I would love to see a similar follow-up episode with those characters interacting again, because it was just a delight for me. I mean, number three for me, I just thought it was just a knockout. You know, we but, need to get Rutherford and Kendi uh, in there. Yeah, in the real world. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, she gets curious about she gets curious about the Andorians, right? And uh, 
and she wants to find out about it and see her grandmother. So she sneaks back there where she shouldn't, you know, and takes Ryan's, advantage yeah. of some opportunity. Or, yep. And what did I say? Uh, God, I am like, Dorian's. It's okay. Sorry, I've used, used no all problem. my brain cells this week, man. <laughs> I got you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> but, yeah, I, just, I, would, I would happily see a follow-up to that if they can get the same level of cleverness and energy in there that they did with that one. Because that was, a, that was a, a delight. Such a pleasant surprise. Just so fun. But I think there may have been well, a contingent of the fans that were cranky and sure. didn't dig it. You know. Well, mm-hmm. we're, we got we got heads up in San Diego Comic Con last year, 2022, that they said we're taking some risks this season. There's going to be some risk. We're going to try something different this season, and I think we totally agree. They did some different things this year, but I think they got some success out of taking those risks. Couldn't agree more, brother. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, as far as um, Under the Cloak of War, my I, I love the story. I think the whole concept, you know, did Mbenga kill him? Did he attack Mbenga? The whole yeah, thing. so good. You know, the, the, the Klingon prejudice, all of it was spectacular, and I, I loved it. My only complaint was, you know, I think they missed a huge opportunity to have different Klingons um, because the whole Klingon and discovery thing, why they look so different, is still a big debate amongst the fans. And I think that, you know, they could have thrown in some discovery Klingons in there just to say, hey, look, there's Klingons look different. They don't all look the same. Totally agree but, with you, Jim. When I saw that, I felt like that was fan service being satisfied because too many people had complained about the way that Discovery Klingons look, and so they felt like they had to go back to a TNG sort of look for the Klingons. I felt exactly the same way. It, it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the story that they were trying to tell because a Klingon is a Klingon to me, but I just yeah. felt that they could have showed some diversity amongst Klingons. Had they done that, that was my only major issue, and that's not even maybe a major they felt issue. that because they had shown a lot of different types of Klingons in Broken Circle that they kind of already checked that box and they didn't need to go back and do it, and maybe they just really wanted to focus on the story really carefully in in the in that particular thing, right? And uh, and uh, and he's such a unique character, the Klingon in that episode, right? I mean, he's really uh, He's very unique among Klingons, and I think they didn't want it to maybe be distracting because he's just he's a character first and a Klingon second almost in that episode. Right? Ah, he, so so you're actually saying, Paul, that by mm-hmm. making him kind of a TNG Klingon, it actually like lent more gravitas to the differences that he had. Is that right? I think so because you're 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 not distracted by you know little bits of detail or whatnot. You're really yeah. focusing on on the moral ambiguity of the guy. That you, where it's like I think that's what elevated this episode up to the level of things like you know Measure of a Man or Drumhead, right? Where it's it becomes about politics. He seems like he's a character that would be out of the Manchurian Candidate, where it's just like there's a lot of you know. They went dark with that, yeah. and he's deceptively cheerful, and it's uh, he, he's almost like you know from Mbenga, he's Kodos the executioner. Yeah, 
right? Yep. I mean, he really is. He's a he's a he's a shadow out of the past. He will never be healed from. And I just thought that was really, and the fact that he played him in such a genial way for the most part was just like a pretty pretty cool choice. And it just made him. You almost forget that we're talking about a Klingon, and we're just talking about a character that is just you know divisive and and that somebody wants to see go. I, I thought it was just amazing writing. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, and the the PTSD part of it, like it, it's a topic that Star Trek has tried to cover a few times, and they've done you know some some pretty decent episodes. Um, to me, this one was the one that actually covers that topic better than all of them because Mbenga is such a human character and you feel what he's feeling and um you know the actor himself just portrays it in such a way that you are instantly kind of drawn into his gravity well right and you're feeling the things that he's feeling as he's dealing with this person who let's be honest nobody is actually sure whether he is on the level or not you know we've got uh erica ortegas is very suspicious and other people are saying no he's cool man it's very clear that he's a cool guy you're on the edge of your seat the entire episode. So yeah, yeah. totally agree. And he's but, and he's Mabeng is like you know oh you've invited Hitler to dinner. It's, yeah, it's like I I will yeah. not break bread with you. I will find a bread knife and kill you. It's like it's it's really great. I just uh, uh, I watched that a couple times and every time I got more out of it. And it's just and I and I was blown away the first time I watched it. So and that's. You know, the really, you know, I love what they did. And I'm just, again, what Charles said about the risks, you know, they, they pay off, I think, in this, especially the, this, the latter half of the season episodes are just so strong. And it's just like, wow, we just kept, kept getting better and better. It was, it was great. And yeah, I, I, I kind of better. agree with you all, too, because this particular episode actually was one of my favorites, because this was really the only episode out of the season that I know, except for maybe the hegemony one with that cliffhanger, but this was really the only one that surprised me the most when it comes when it came to that twist at the end, because I actually did not see that coming. And normally, a lot of these episodes for me were kind of predictable at times, but this one kind of surprised me. I was just like, "Whoa, that's 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 different." So that's kind of what made my uh, score. Particularly like the conversation that he has with Pike at the end. You know, I thought that was was a nice. Well, yeah, cut. he's got that whole thing that he says that I think I brought up when we reviewed that episode, which is the concept of whether or not people like that Klingon in that episode deserve to pay for their actions. You know, if somebody does terrible things, like Ducat, for example, does terrible things, but then if they had taken Ducat's character and somehow made him benevolent and given him a, a turnaround, that's what they did with this Klingon. And if you give a character a turnaround, you know, do they, does that give them redemption? Does, do they deserve to pay for the previous things that they did? Those are all questions that I think are fundamentally unanswerable, which is when Star Trek is at its best. Yeah, and you've got well, characters yeah. that refuse to even consider that his recanting is genuine. You know, you're yeah. just saying also, you're saying what you need to do to survive, right? Totally. I don't believe you. I don't believe yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Well, well speaking about him doing getting what he deserved, I don't think he was killed by on purpose. I think he was killed by an accident. I think it was an accident that happened while they were fighting for the knife. So I don't think he was. He got what he deserved, technically, but I think it was just because 
you know, he kind of like fell on the knife, I guess you say. But it was just kind of an accident, I think. But still, did he deserve to struggle with that kind of stuff? Yeah. So that's up to that's up to debate too. So I don't know. Well, moving into our top three, believe it or not, the only episode that our Facebook fans and the Trexperts agreed on unanimously was the second episode of the season at Astra Per F came in at number three for the fans and the Trexperts. The only one we all agreed on was that one. This is where Una's being tried. I, what can I say about this episode? Just, oh my God, <laughs> right? Oh my God. Yeah. One of the well, it's one it, of yeah, the it's, best. It's like uh, Paul was saying about you know being on the level of episodes like Measure of a Man and stuff. I mean, this one kind of asks those same questions about what are people's rights and what is a you know not necessarily what is a person, but just like those deeper questions about what is how does the Federation actually want to operate, right? Like what? What are our actual rules, and how are we going to accept people or not accept people? I think those are big questions that exactly mirror all the types of things that we ask ourselves in modern society. Systemic discrimination, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a topic that like is a little bit on the nose, but like it also ties into other Star Trek lore, which I think is really cool. Um, I love the. I personally always think about Dr. Julian Bashir when I think about Una. I mean, granted, he's not an Illyrian, but he is genetically modified. And in DS9, they once they get past the um, the sort of like taboo of him being genetically engineered, all of a sudden he's just a regular member of the crew, and they actually kind of like bring it up in jest every once in a while. And he does have actual special skills that help him connect to other characters that that other people can't connect to because they don't have that genetically modified thing. So this this episode to me was heading in that sort of direction and I would love to see more now of Una as a person who because of her special scenario is able to do something that other crew members are not able to do, right? Because that's what a Starfleet crew is all about. It's about taking your special skills and each exercising your unique skills and making the whole work better. And they did a lot of interesting stuff with her, right? Because it's like it, she's, you know, uh, persona non grata at the start of the season, right? I mean, she is just not, you know, she's not allowed, right? She's she's an exile. She's, you know, less than decent. But by the time we get to those old scientists in episode seven, yeah, we, we're talking about future people holding her up as like a recruiting ideal. Right. I mean, everything mm-hmm. has changed in terms of her p- future perception. And like, not only is there, it's not like redemption because it was like, she was unnecessarily vilified. Right. But now it's like everyone suddenly got it. And now that she's like, now she's revered as like one of the greats of Starfleet. Right. And I think there's a lot of that carries over. If you remember like the very end of uh prodigy this season, right. When they get there. Right. And how Dal is looked upon. Right. And how Dal wants to be, you know, join Starfleet and will he be accepted because he's different and those kind of things. Right. And you, you end up getting the message that, okay, yeah, it's like, we really do need this organization to accept everyone and stop, you know, selectively discriminating. Arbitrarily drawing lines. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that message was sort of woven throughout, uh, 
not only just this whole season of Strange New Worlds, but I think they, they very deftly touch base with other aspects of the franchise, too. I'd love to see them consider the, uh, continue that more when we get back into Discovery, because Discovery is so diverse and ripe for commentary on that, that they've, you know, some people freak out over Discovery to a crazy degree, but it's just like, hey, you know, it's pointing the way. It's it's certainly pointing the direction that we need to uh, get, you know, get, you know, right with if we want to survive as a species and, and go beyond, you know, where we are. So I would love to see that theme continued. But wonderful episode. I mean, it was really, like you said, vintage Star Trek of the kind that, you know, is all about ideals and, and bettering ourselves uh, to be able to, you know, find if you, it's a weird word you don't hear used very often anymore, but some nobility. Right. And if like you want to have, you know, a sense of of aspirational greatness to what you want to evolve towards as a species. And I think this episode really did a great job of reminding us of that. Absolutely. And uh, coming in at number two by our Facebook fans, Why Are We Singing? Why Are We Singing? is Subspace Rhapsody, number two by our Facebook fans. And number two by the Trexpert was those old scientists. So there's a little swap. And let's finish this off here. Coming in at number one by our Facebook fans, the best episode by our Facebook fans was Under the Cloak of War. And the best episode of the season by the Trexperts was There You Have It. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jim... Subspace, Subspace Rhapsody only edges out Under the Cloak of War because of its rewatchability. I've already watched it about four or five times, and I'm probably going to watch it another half dozen times at least because people love to feel good, and that episode makes you feel good. Um, if we can just dig into it a little bit, to me, it was the episode that was literally made for people who don't like musicals right people who don't or people who just don't really understand musicals Mm -hmm. or haven't like entered that kind of world of musicals because when you start singing about why you're singing (laughs) that's so like Mm -hmm. in touch with the audience who's going to be watching you um so they address it right off the bat right they they sing the song about why are we singing they come up with a very good babble reason for the actual story to take place the way that it does. And then they execute, man. Like the songs were all pretty good. Um, you know, there's a good song. Amazing. We could talk about later. Yeah, I mean, some of them are just like among the best musical songs I've heard in the last mm-hmm. years. But like, well, um, yeah, go ahead, Charles. I was going to say, who would have ever expected a Star Trek episode to top the charts on iTunes. I know. Yeah. 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 Nobody, nobody would ever expect that. And, and it has, and I think what it has done to people like Jim, for example, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong. It made you kind of a believer, right? It, you watched it and you're like, Oh, I didn't expect much. And yet here it is. Singing Klingons. 
mic drop, okay? Yeah. Well, this is great, man, because it's like like you were saying. I mean, some these songs are like they're like frozen level. I mean, they're really well orchestrated and well well written. Mm-hmm. They're great. They're really power ballads. They're they're great theater songs. And you know what's really interesting is like this is I felt like it was kind of like again kind of getting in there and sort of folding in with the perspective of the preconceived notions the fans had, right? Because when the characters start doing it, what is their reaction initially, right? Every the first the first song, yeah. apologies, apologies. Everyone, it's like they're, they're apologizing for doing it, like it's something <laughs> bad. They're ashamed to be doing it almost at first, right? Apologies. I mean, that's a funny thing, but that was the the emotional inroad to everyone suddenly realizing this is what they were doing, which I thought was really uh, pretty savvy. So uh, really great. But number one on my list for sure. Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, again, it's like those, those under the cloak of war, those little scientists at Astra subspace, super hard. I mean, they're all jockeying for this. To me, they, they really deserve equal footing. Those are the top four episodes for me. And I, I really have a hard time saying one is better than the other, but subspace, they just, they risked it all. It was such a daring thing to try, you know, in, in the face of such resistance from the fans, right? I mean, just, you know, it was r- such a bold, you know, uh, a bold swing. I mean, it really, really was. And it was just so joyful on top of that, right? It really, really was just perpetually joyful for every moment. So those two things together just elevated to that highest sphere of what television should be aspiring to be. So for me, a number one, absolutely. But all of those episodes were just, you know, uh, super big keepers and make you want season three so desperately, you know, just, just to, if they can keep that at this level of creativity, it's like, wow, bring it on. And so, you know, oh, you know what, what it was, is Paul, I don't... it was, it was a Star Trek. It was a Star Trek episode from the beginning to the yeah. end. Yeah. It it felt like a Star Trek episode. It moved the characters forward. Um, it wasn't stagnant. The situation, the singing situation, completely fit right in with the Star Trek dilemma they were facing, and it just it just worked perfect. I, yeah, I felt like and, I was watching a Star Trek episode. It was, it was the, it was perfectly balanced, and they weren't just a bunch of dumb songs. The songs actually moved the characters from point A to point B, and it worked perfectly for me. And I'm right there with you. To me, it's yeah, and right all, all the and all the songs. Not only that, man, it's just like all the songs they. They they managed to incorporate themes and character progression that have been going on throughout the entire season, right? Where like you know it's like they actually like it became like a focal point for everything that had been going on with Chapel and Spock, got you know turned into like a, a huge you know linchpin moment for both those characters in the space of two songs. So which there's was all the this whole, payoff, which is know? the whole point, Paul, right? Because you can only express certain emotions in song yeah. it's yeah. too big for words so there was all this you know gestalt payoff right all these big moments where it's like you dealt with everything you dealt with the uh, a big you know massive moment of what you know kirk and laon's you know relationship was uh, and how that was going through her yearning in songs i mean her her 
Good Lord, Laon's song was yeah. like just I've listened un- to that un- song a hundred times. At it least. is just you know at blow least. the doors off. It's just so good, man. It is just she just bangs that shit out. It's amazing. So I mean, yeah, I mean, just using music for what music's purpose truly is, and and tying it up with the purpose of what Star Trek really is. And so again, like Jim said, it it just felt like pure Star Trek and. Yet giving us pure Star Trek in a neat way we'd never really experienced before, and to me that's why it's number one. Sing, singing, yeah, I, cling on. That's 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 it. That's, before we start, oh, now stop need talking about. Before we uh, start, stop talking about this season. Can I just ask one thing and just bring this up real quickly? Yeah. And I think Jim will be glad I I did hopefully because um, there was a big seed planted in first season of this series, right? Yes. Uh, that we were all like basically chatting about all summer. Right? <laughs> we're like, oh wow, that was a huge scene because we know we're gonna be getting XYZ, right? And we were pretty sure we were gonna get it. And what I'm talking about is from season one, uh the Serene Squall, right? That particular episode there, where that episode ends uh, we've spent some time with the a new character, Captain Angel, in that particular episode, right? Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then at the I very end, though, there's an actual shot of him, right? And we are meant to be, you know, revealed that Cybok is in this universe, in this story arc, and that we're going to be seeing more of him. And we for sure thought that was going to be happening. Cybok out of Star Trek V. And yep. we thought that that was for sure going to be payoff material in this season. It never happened. I am still trying to figure out why. But what do you guys think? I mean, were you equally sort of waiting all season for the Cybok episode and it never came? It was like, what yeah. happened? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it also, felt – I was just going to say it felt Angel a little bit like – uh, go ahead, Jim. Yeah. Captain Angel was supposed to be like the hairy mud. To their crew and they never brought back captain angel and of course because captain angel was trying to break cybok out of prison we never got cybok either hopefully captain angel and cybok will show up season three i hope well it you know? like so paul when they planted that seed i think we all did kind of freak out about it. and you're right we talked all summer about it and we expected to see some resolution of it this season but i almost wonder like is it too big of a thing for episodic television. I mean, obviously they have to address it simply because they've already brought it up, so they they got to close the door somehow. But one thing that I noticed about this season was that every episode is very unique, right? And they're doing kind of the I hate to say enterprise, but I only say that because it was kind of the first like semi-serial you know, Star Trek that we got, they're doing that sort of thing where, yes, it's a new adventure every week, but we still get character development that is serial in nature, despite the fact that we're on a different planet and we're having adventures in different places. Is the Cybox story one that can be gone back to in an episode, or is that a thing that, like, can be maybe brought up in a short track or a little mini movie or something. I don't know. It just feels like it deserves more time than a single episode. And I feel like giving it more than one episode is antithetical to the way that strange new worlds works. Ah, it's my initial thought. Interesting. Mic drop. Interesting. 
Yeah, I'm actually thinking, I'm kind of glad that they didn't bring Cybox into season two because it actually made room for more stories, I guess, like what Eric was saying, you know, but it was just the fact that Cybox wasn't really mentioned a whole lot, even in TOS, and it was only, I don't think that was mentioned at all in TOS, actually, but but the movie... Well, he was a total, like to me, because so many people poo-poo Star Trek V... He's almost seen whoa, 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 as like a wait, wait. no 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 Jim you know I it's true I'm not saying that I'm not I saying that I that. agree with them but <laughs> what, I, what I am saying is that some people have almost like treated Cybok like a joke seemed like in Strange New World season one they really lent some legitimacy to him right because not only did they show his character again but they gave him a partner who was clearly a very huge part of the arc of that episode and. Um, so, you know, they meant to go back to him, but they didn't. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to seeing him, like, maybe season three or four or however long this series goes on. But What well, does it deserve I, to I'm wait? Just... Why didn't they do it this season? So was there too much packed into this season, do you think, guys? Like, was there – they just didn't have room for him or – No. It could be. You know, they, they... – It's I, What's I, interesting I'm, I'm is – I'm just that there's going to be some sort of big, giant secret – or uh, like a surprise visit, like you know, in one of the future episodes. Yeah, because you, you know, I think up. that uh, they really had a lot of story arcs that covered the whole season, right? And they wanted to have Spock and Chapel, knowing that at the end there was going to be this breakup, right? We had Kirk and uh, uh, Laan, right, and that followed all the through all the way through. We had you know Mbenga, all those arcs that kind of carried through all. <laughs> so if you know, maybe they thought, well, where we know this is going to end with uh, Spock being kind of more emotionally vulnerable at the end of season two, it could be a better thing there to have this opportunity for Cybok to emerge in season three and exploit Spock's emotional vulnerability in those the next series of storylines. So that might be where they're going. I mean, I think that's a theory that people are you know positing but who knows man jim you're certainly going to be vulnerable in a different place is there a line in star trek 5 uh, that when spock and cyborg interact about the last time they saw each other or no you know that's an interest we talked about this during discovery we're, we're trying to fit cyborg into the timeline yeah it's well like, he's many he's like, many many years it's older after than michael spock, burnham right? yeah it, it, it's after burnham leaves Cybok shows up, and he's not there very long before he's whisked away. But we don't know exactly how long. It's never never specified. Huh. So, you know, he, he's yeah, clearly so, older than so they, Spock. But. Well, he's, he's older than Spock, and he was gone by the time Michael came around, so they can pretty much plug him in however they want to. So, yeah, no, Paul, I think this is actually a really good thing to have brought up because I agree. It was the seed that was planted in season one that was remains un, ungrown. <laughs> it remains dormant. Yeah. That's the word I meant. Yeah. <laughs> you can't dormant. unring that bell, man. At some you point, we want to know. You can't unring that bell. Like, You've yeah. got to give the people what they want. So I, we know it's coming down the pipe, but I, I still question this kind of concept of you know, I think so many people are digging on Strange New Worlds because it's episodic and it's not a serial show. And I know that people, among whatever other reasons, didn't like Discovery because of that kind of serial 
nature to it, which is a different way to tell stories, right? It's a 10-hour movie, the same way that every episode or every season of Picard had a 10-hour movie. I think that people like their Star Trek in little bites, in little digestible bites that they get a little resolution at the end of the episode, and maybe we get a little character development and that sort of stuff. It seems to me that if you want to keep fans excited in the franchise, you got to mix in shows like Strange New World. Not that it's going anywhere, but you got to keep mixing in this sort of storytelling as well as the serial storytelling. So I'm just going to put in my plug that after Discovery Season 5, I really hope that they find another way to capture the serial storytelling nature of Star Trek because I do think that there's some value to those 10-hour movies. You know? Oh, I think so too. I mean, look what they did on Picard Season 3. I mean, they basically yeah. – I, I think you got to just have a story that's good enough yep. to, to, to milk out and that's tight enough and go – and it's got to have a lot of whoa, cool factor built yep. in. People are like really – that, that it seems really cool, like a good chapter of a good novel every single episode, right? And – I don't think Discovery's necessarily pulled that off, uh, right? That's my one uh, caveat with them is they've some of the you know they they tend to finish really strong, right at the end of the season, and they tend to start really good, but but they'll bring in these kind of middle and supporting characters or or have an arc that isn't quite as compelling, and the storytelling kind of drags. You don't have any problem with the other aspects of discovery because the cast is so freaking strong right but uh but i feel like sometimes there's some middling uh, diversions or digressions i guess i should say that just don't warrant uh enough of a cohesive whole to make the the the, the linear you know you know, non-episodic story hold together. It's, it doesn't feel worthy in the plots they've chosen to be in a solid movie. So I, I got a hunch, though, that they're going to finish really strong. I don't know how, what that's based on, but just I think they're going to have a really great last season. All right, I, my just gut says we should expect greatness from them, you know, because so, when they're on fire, they're really on fire. Well, Speaking of being on fire, we've got a crap ton of birthdays to go to. So let's get our Klingon birthday song and burn through some birthdays because we do have some, some Star Trek news. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have a lot of remembrances uh, to go through. Vanita Wolf, actress Vanita Wolf, was the actress who, who portrayed Yeoman Teresa Ross in the TOS first season episode, The Squire of Gothos, would have had a birthday on September 1st, uh, she was born in 1945, did a little bit of extra television after that, but really didn't have much of an acting career after Star Trek. Happy birthday, Vanita Wolf. Happy birthday as well to Harry Landers. He was the actor who portrayed Arthur Coleman in the TOS third season episode, Turnabout Intruder. He is best known for his role as Dr. Ted Hoffman in the popular 1960s medical drama, Ben Casey. Merritt Buttrick 
would have had a birthday this week. That's right. He's the American actor best known for his role as Dr. David Marcus in both Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek III The Search for Spock. Uh, a photo of him, of course, appears later in Star Trek VI. He also played the Romulan to John in Star Trek Next Generation's first season episode, Symbiosis. Happy birthday, Merrick Booktrick. Happy birthday as well to Reggie Naldare. Reggie Naldare was the actor who portrayed Ambassador Shras in the TOS second season episode, Journey to Babel. Uh, he was our first canonical Andorian that we ever saw. And uh, he was a guy who had several acting roles throughout his career. Due to his unique facial features, he was often cast as a bad guy. And that was due to the fact that he had had some burns that happened to him as a child, which is why his lower jaw kind of had that uh, interesting look to it. So Reggie Nalder was our first look at Andorians. Happy birthday, Reggie. Happy birthday as well to Nicholas Wirth. He appeared four times in the Star Trek universe, twice on Deep Space Nine, and twice as Lonzak on Star Trek Voyager. And, uh, you know, since making his debut back in 1966, he appeared in nearly 90 film and television projects throughout his career. So happy birthday, Nicholas Wirth. Happy birthday as well to the twins themselves, Alice and Ray Andrees. That's right, Alice and Ray Andrees were the actresses who were credited with portraying the Alice series of androids. Alice portrayed androids number one through number 250, and Ray, of course, uh, portrayed androids 251 through number 500. Both actresses' only acting careers are with each other, which I think is just adorable. So they only acted as twins. Happy birthday to Alice and Ray Andrees. Happy birthday as well to Graham Jarvis. He's the actor who portrayed Klim Dokachin in the Next Generation's fifth season episode, Unification One. And outside of Star Trek, Jarvis was on, of course, a bunch of television series. He was a regular, though, mostly on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, the television series from 1976 through 1978. Happy birthday, Graham Jarvis. Happy birthday as well to Evelyn Eve Smith. Lived to be 91 years old. She was the elderly patient in uh, the Mercy Hospital in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And this woman, she had one role back in the 40s, and then she didn't act again for another 40 years. And then after that, appeared on a bunch of things. Um, her sort of return to acting was a 1982 episode of Cheers, which I just think is absolutely adorable. So <laughs> happy birthday and lots of love going out to Evelyn Eve Smith. Happy birthday as well to Noble Willingham. He's the actor who portrayed Texas in the Next Generation second season episode, episode The Royale. Um, he is absolutely best known for his role as C.D. Parker on the television series Walker, Texas Ranger. So go back and watch yourself some Chuck Norris and you'll see Noble Willingham. Happy birthday, Noble. Happy birthday as well to W. Morgan Shepard. He's the British actor who portrayed four characters throughout the Star Trek franchise. He was uh, in The Schizoid Man from TNG. He was in Undiscovered Country. He was in an episode of Voyager. And he was a Vulcan scientist in Star Trek 2009. That's right. Uh, there's this great story about uh, when he's on the Star Trek 2009 set. He's sitting next to somebody and he doesn't know who he is. And he starts talking about how the director is a slave driver. Yeah, guess what? The guy is J.J. Abrams. He apologized <laughs> after J.J. let him know who he actually was. So W. Morgan Shepard, 
having some cool interactions in Star Trek 2009. Happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to Rod Ahrens. He's the actor who portrayed Rex in the TNG second season episode Manhunt. He also portrayed Daleth in the Star Trek Voyager fourth season episode Living Witness, which we were just talking about a little bit ago. Happy birthday, Rod. Happy birthday as well to Bruce Gray. He is the actor who portrayed Admiral Chakotay. Not that one, the other one. In Deep Space Nine's second season episode, The Circle. He also portrayed uh, that character in Next Generation's seventh season episode, Gambit Part One. He also later portrayed Serac, that Vulcan, yes, the most important Vulcan, in Enterprise's fourth season episode, Awakening. Happy birthday, Bruce Gray. And finally, for our remembrances, we have actor Christopher Collins. He's the actor and comedian who made four appearances on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. This guy, you probably know his voice maybe even more than you know his face. Uh, the majority of his television work consists of voiceover roles, uh, including those of Cobra Commander on G.I. Joe. Yeah, you know that voice. And if that sounded familiar, then you know it sounds just like Starscream from the 1980s Transformers show. He did some uncredited work on Star Blazers. He was the original Montgomery Burns on The Simpsons before they switched it out for another guy. He actually did the original Mo. So absolutely hilarious comedian, did stand-up comedy for a number of years, and a ton of really cool voice work. Happy birthday, Christopher Collins. And that does it for our remembrances. So passing that flaming birthday candle over to Charles. Oh, thank you, Eric. Didn't do any research this week because it's so many birthdays for two weeks. So let's start off with Davida Williams, actress from Los Angeles, California, who portrayed Lisa in Star Trek Deep Space Nine season episode Children of Time. Emilio Rill played the role of Frul in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's fourth season episode, Bar Association. Stephen R. Shrupia, an Italian actor, writer who played Carmen in Star Trek's Enterprise fourth season episode, Stormfront and Stormfront Part Two. Amy Lindsay, actress who played in Star Trek Voyager's seventh season episode, Endgame. Michael Berryman, actor who portrayed the Starfleet display officer in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, Generation first season episode, Conspiracy. Lauren Lupkus, actress who played Jennifer Sharia in Star Trek's Lower Deck. William Ute played the Vulcan Captain Van Kick in Star Trek Enterprise's first season episode, Breaking the Ice. Stephanie ben- Belding, actress who played Shira in Star Trek Discovery's third season episode, Unification. Ken Jenkins, actor who played Paul Shrubs in Star Trek's Next Generation episode, Evolution. Elaine Weir-Gear, actress who played Keela Mar in Star Trek's Next Generation fifth season episode, Silicon Avatar. And last on my list, Adrina Wiener, actress who played Kess 
Catcher Troy in Star Trek's next Next Generation seven season episode Dark Page. And passing this flaming candle over to Paul, though it's getting a little low. It's all right, man. We can do it. We can do it. We can power through. All right, we got all kinds of folks, as everyone's been saying, so let's dive right in. First of all, very happy birthday to actress Virginia Aldridge. She appeared as Lieutenant Karen Tracy in the original series episode Wolf in the Fold. There were all kinds of uh, folks who didn't meet a good end in that particular episode, so we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of murdering going on and knives and daggers and... And uh, framed Scotsman, and uh, and I always loved that the guy who was the killer in that episode, you know, who had been possessed, Mr. Hengist, right, is the voice of Piglet on Winnie the Pooh. That is like my one of my favorite things in the world. It's like Piglet, you're not as innocent as you would have us think. (laughs) (laughs) You're just not. Very happy birthday to Padma Lakshmi, actress and cooking luminary, who, if you are an online cooking person, you should know who that is. Uh, But she is acknowledged here for portraying uh, Katama in the Enterprise second season episode, Precious Cargo. She was the eponymous cargo herself. Pretty amazing. The great D. Bradley Baker, the great D. Bradley Baker, who voices Murph on Star Trek Prodigy. It's not a sin to love other star space-bound franchises beyond Star Trek, but uh, those who are also of us uh, Star Wars fans know that D. Bradley Baker portrays every single clone voice that there is on the Bad Batch and other aspects of the Star Wars franchise, particularly animated versions there. There are like five main characters on uh, Bad Batch. Dee Bradley Baker voices them all, and they all sound different from each other. He's a phenomenal talent. Great to have him also be part of the Star Trek universe. Happy birthday to Michael Dante, a stage and screen director and actor and former professional athlete who was on the original series uh, second season episode as Mob, uh, the towering uh, leader of the uh, nomadic hill people in Friday's Child. A really cool character. Um, looks like he'd break you over his knee. <laughs> Just a massive looking dude. Happy birthday to you, Michael. Happy birthday to Elora Patnayak, uh, who played Tapril in the Strange New World's second season episode Charades that we were just talking about. What a talent you are. We hope to see you again, Elora Patnayak. You are a wonderful actress. Happy birthday to David Soul, who portrayed Makora in that wacky original series, second season episode, The Apple, where everyone kind of looks the same, like they are uh, beach bums at Malibu with strange antennas on their ears, all blue-eyed, blonde people there. Um, but uh, got to acknowledge that uh, David Soul uh, is also very famous uh, for the, uh, in addition to Starsky and Hutch, um, he was also famous for one of the great TV horrors of all time, Salem's Lot, where he played uh, the main character opposite somebody that uh, just a couple seconds ago, uh, Eric was talking about, Reggie Nalder, because uh, Reggie Nalder was the uh, horrific vampire Mr. Barlow um, in that episode there. But uh, if you love good horror movies and you like David Soul, you should definitely check out uh, and give a screening to the phenomenal 
uh, Salem's Lot. It's one of the great ones there. And uh, David Dalton. 1979. Oh, man. Epic. Epic. Uh, it was, time stopped. It was one of those TV shows back in 79. Everyone watched that when it was on. It so was like you, you, you did not miss that. It was like roots level pop culture awareness. But uh, David Toll, really cool guy uh, with quite a career. And it's so awesome that you're also part of Star Trek. Anthony Call, happy birthday, Anthony Call. You played Dave Bailey, one of the greatest characters ever, I think, in uh, first season Star Trek episode, The Corbomite Maneuver, because you just freaked out. <laughs> no, yep. no tomorrow. It was your first trip out into space, and you played it so believably, like you were doing like a naval thriller there. And when you saw Baylock, you just about <laughs> needed to get an adult diaper. You were just like you could not you you had to have Kirk yell you Bailey you're relieved and just leave the bridge and then you found the greatest redemption ever so you're one of the really first cool I think just iconic uh, regular crew members of uh, the original series Enterprise so I'll never forget the character of Bailey absolutely great and speaking of things you'll never forget you'll never forget Alyssa Ogawa who was played the character of uh, Play, I'm talking about the character of Alyssa Ogawa. Somebody hit me over that. Yeah. We're honoring Patty Yasutake is the there actress here who played Alyssa Ogawa. It's been a week, friends. I'll tell you what. But she played that character in no less than 16 episodes of Next Gen and in two different Star Trek films, Generations and First Contact. The steadfast, always capable, inspiring person I've seen in uh, numerous interviews, legions of doctors and nurses who come forth and say, oh, yeah, I was inspired by by uh, the character of Alyssa Ogawa to yeah. get involved in medicine and get my medical license because of that portrayal from Patty Yasutake. So you've really changed. Uh, you're not only an indelible part of the franchise but you've changed the lives of many people and made them pursue careers in medicine. So which is, I don't think it gets any better than that. Big happy birthday from me and a steaming hot cup of hot cocoa. So like the Perfect. Well, I'll never forget. Lacey Nap played Sonia Gomez in next gen season, uh, Two episodes indelibly forever. <laughs> Q who? And Samaritan Snare. And of course, we'll never forget because she's all peppy and happy to work for Jordy LaForge and then she spills hot chocolate all over Aww. Captain Picard. Yes, and sin, it's all sure, over yeah. me. <laughs> and then she shows up later in Lower Decks, right? And then she's in Lower Decks in second season, first, first contact. So it's just, I would love to see more of, of Sonia Gomez. I, to me, it was just like, Super underused. You should have been used all the time and cast as a recurring character because you're just the best. Uh, wonderful. Happy birthday, Lysia Naff. Happy birthday also, also when, to... Uh, don't, don't forget, she was in that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Which uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Which one? <laughs> the one? Are you talking The Running Man, one of the Terminator movies? <laughs> Are you talking about Kindergarten Cop, Jim? Which one are you talking about? Don't let me Schwarzenegger movies. No, she, she's in the one. Total Recall, right? To Mars. Total Recall. Yeah. Total yeah. Recall. Get your ass to Mars, Jim. You can yeah, forget about FanFest. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> yeah, she's the, yeah, Mary or something is her name. I can't remember. Is she one of the, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct. She's not the prostitute with three breasts. Is she's she? not. No, she's not. Okay, that, that okay. is her. Yeah. Oh, it is, is her. Is it? Oh, is that the one? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought yeah, she was so the you... 
blonde. I don't want to bring up something unpleasant on your birthday, Lysia, but you know. No, that was. You gotta go right. and. Uh, and please understand, I remember the entirety out. of Total Recall, not just that scene. Okay, let's just get that out in the open. Let's just be really clear about it. Thank you, Jim, and I'm going to move on just because of the sand dripping out of the hourglass here. So, actually, happy birthday to L.A. Law luminary Corbin Burnson because he played a Q, Q2, in the Star Trek Next Gen third season episode, Deja Q. And finally for me, one of the great cult actors of all time, one of the coolest actors ever, who's just played so many different roles in so many different things. He is just the, a rock star. And I don't know if he was ever as much of a rock star as he was when he played Captain Rudy Ransom in Voyager's fifth and sixth season episodes, Equinox and Equinox so Part Two, kicking ass and bringing this. He's, he's one of those just actors who you just see and you never forget. Um, he's just a, a stunning performance and brings a disturbing level of reality to all of his uh performances but he really kicked ass here and brought a lot of ambiguity to that character captain ransom uh, but you know he's just a, a remarkable actor um of course will be remembered forever for being one of the core folks in the deer hunter which is an, a movie that if you've never Such seen it you should movie. see it but wow. man it's, it's he's a hardcore john savage you're a legit talent with a capital t brother that's all i know and at that point let's uh spin the wheel and send it back over to Uncle Jim. Well, we want to say happy birthday to Jeff Russo, the composer who scored Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek Strange New World. What would Star Trek be without its awesome music? Happy birthday to Jeff Russo. We all want to say happy birthday to Keen J. Young, the Hawaiian-born actor who played the role of Buck Bokai in DS9's first season episode, If Wishes Were Horses. He later appeared... He later appeared as Sato in Star Trek Enterprise second season episode, The Vanishing Point. We also want to say happy birthday to Annabella Wallace, the actress who voiced USS Discovery's sentient computer Zora in Star Trek Short Treks episode Calypso and in the third and fourth seasons of Star Trek Discovery. We want to say happy birthday to Deborah Van Valkenburg, who played Preston in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's third season episode, Past Tense Part Mercy. Oh, that's mercy, brother. She was also in The Warriors. Dun, dun, dun. As Mercy. That's we your, want to say Mercy. That's your yep. character name. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yep. We also want to say happy birthday to Idris Elba, the actor who played Crawl in Star Trek Beyond. Also, Crawl on Star Trek Beyond. He's, <laughs> he's done a lot, he's been it at all. But we also want to say happy birthday to the captain himself, Chris Pine, the actor who played James T. Kirk in Star Trek 2009, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Beyond. And Chris Pine, I love your Into the Woods uh, performance. Uh, Agony, brother. Agony. Yeah, just wanted to say that. (laughs) He's he's, he's been a busy, busy guy. He's a busy Um, guy. No, he's great, man. He's He's a talented dude. Into the Woods is one of my favorites. I always save the Klingons for last, and I've got a couple here. We want to say Kafla to Nick E. Tarby, the actor who appeared as the Klingon patrol officer in Star Trek Into Darkness. He's the one that had the really cool golden pierced ridges. I think so the rings are awesome. I love them. 
I think I think that's the Klingon ranking system in that movie. I don't think there's think, any reason not to like the rings, man. They look super cool. Like if I had a bunch of really ridges cool. on my face, I'd probably poke a ring through them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to say happy birthday to Brian Thompson, who played Lieutenant Clagg in TNG's episode of Matter of Honor, one of my favorite. Star Trek episodes. She also played in Glock 2 and DS9's Rules of, of Acquisition. Thomas Torox in DS9's Death and Admiral Valdor and Enterprise's Babel 1, United, and the Enar. Blah! To Robin Atkin Downs, ensign actor and prolific voice actor who played Commander Todd and the other Klingon officers in Star Trek Lower Deck second season episode, We Dodge. And last, but definitely not least on my list. We want to say kapla and happy birthday to Rosanna DeSoto, the actress from San Jose, California, who played Azed Boutour in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And that, my friends, wraps up our two-week birthday list. Time for some Star Trek news. So, Eric, do you want to dive into Star Trek news? we got a couple minutes here. I so much want to. Let's do it real, real quick. Uh, are you going to play this thing? Uh, uh, I can't find it. Just, you don't uh, have to play um, the thing. Um, That's um, what... uh, We're going to do Star Trek news, and our very favorite Star Trek news segment is always Shatner says, what? Yeah, it's right. William Shatner perfectly explains the three types of Star Trek fan. An opinionated man, William Shatner has always been an advocate for Star Trek, of course. Fans of the best sci-fi series ever have long come in multiple stripes, and the defining Star Trek captain once broke down the three main types. Quote, there are people who are interested in Star Trek, Shatner says. They like to go to see Star Trek movies. I don't know what you'd call them. Then there are people who have seen the series and who are really interested and go see the movies two or three times. These are your regular Trekkies and cinema goers who want the best science fiction movies. They see something, they digest it, and they discuss it afterwards. Shatner notes the third kind, the devout ones, who will learn every facet of the USS Enterprise, every piece of dialogue, and could tell you everything about the Klingon and Ferengi, no problem. Quote, then there are people who know every word the series ever made, have every moment of every movie they have examined it with a microscope, Shatner explains. They know every motivation, and they like or they dislike, and those are the hardcore Trekkies, and they are vociferous. They don't like something, they let you know. Any error, any allusion to anything, I mean, it's fearsome, he says. Who are we talking about? It's that faceless mass. If there was one person, a giant person with a big bristly beard who said, I am the Trekkie, and you will do what I say because I am the authority, then you could say, well, wait a minute. Certainly, Star Trek doing what the creators felt is right has yielded mixed results over the years. But when something works, it works. Uh, Jim, by far one of the weirdest, uh, Shatner says, what things that I've ever heard of. But also, he's not wrong, right? There are sort of three levels. And uh, this podcast, folks, has you covered in terms of the unnatural level of geekdom that we portray. So uh, you're welcome. Jim, what do you got for us? 
Well, when I when I'm reading that story, you guys are ever well, I know you do. You remember the skit from Saturday Night Live? Oh yeah. Yeah. Talking about moving out of your parents' basements and getting a job and getting a girlfriend. That's that's what I think of when I hear that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think here he's being a little less brutal. I always found that like Saturday Night Live thing to be just a little brutal because uh, it's you know it's maybe true, but also it makes a value judgment on those people. Here he's just kind of saying, you know what? There are a bunch of people who experience Star Trek on different levels. Um, he doesn't really actually make a value judgment about them here in general, but he does say that things like they're fearsome. So I think he, um, you know, he probably feels the pressure as one of the main ambassadors of Star Trek in the world uh, to always kind of be on his game. I'm sure he gets lots of questions that are hard to answer. I'm sure he gets lots of questions that test his memory of a particular episode that he recorded 50 or 60 years ago, <laughs> you know? So um, we, we have a lot of fun with some of the things that William Shatner says here, but he's not, He's not wrong in this article. You know, there are there are many levels of Star Trek fan, and I think each one of them has a different, um, you know, their own validity in the the realm of Star Trek. Because after all, it's just TV, man. We all enjoy it in the way that we enjoy it, right? Absolutely. And uh, you guys are aware that tomorrow is Star Trek Day, and uh, Paramount just released a a, a new clip for. Very short treks, and I'm going to play it for you guys because it's very short. From its first space, the final frontier, Star Trek has given us an incredible universe of entertainment. And this year, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Emmy Award-winning Star Trek, the animated series. And we're doing so boldly and briefly. That's enough silly stories for one night. With five new animated tributes that are anything but canon. Prepare to be shocked. What? Prepare for very short treks coming this fall. Get drawn into the universe of Star Trek animation. Look for very short treks promotional spots coming soon. And watch Star Trek, the animated series on Paramount Plus today. Okay, so Star Trek, very short Trek animated shorts with legacy stars debate that debuts on Star Trek Day, which tomorrow. CBS Studios revealed these shorts will be titled Very Short Treks. Five shorts will be released through September and October with the first episode, Skin a Cat, arriving on Friday, September 8th as part of the Star Trek Day celebration. These five animated shorts are not considered canon. However, there are a number of familiar stars reprising their roles for these shorts, including Jonathan Frakes as Will Riker, Doug Jones as Saru, Harmon Shimmerman as Quark, and a new lineup of exciting voices, including Ethan Peck as Spock, Gates McFadden as Dr. Beverly Crusher, Celia Rose Gooding as Uhura, Connor Trenier as Trip Tucker, Bruce Horak as Hammer. I'm psyched about that one. Noel Wells as Tendi. And legendary George Takai as Sulu. The first animated spot will launch on Star Trek Day, September 8th, exclusively on StarTrek.com. 
and the official Star Trek YouTube channel with four additional animated spots rolling out weekly on Wednesdays through October 4th at 10 a.m. PT and 1 p.m. ET. Wednesdays, that's odd. Yeah. release dates are as follows. September 8th, Skin a Cat. September 13th, Holiday Party. September 20th, Worst Contact. September 27th, Holograms all the way down. And the final one will be October 4th, Walk, Don't Run. And uh, Charles, you got a story for us as well. Okay. Star Trek Strange New Worlds explores new territories after topping the streaming charts. The mesmerizing world of Star Trek is giving glimpses of infinite galaxies, showcase compelling characters, and narrated epic space battles. Yet very few worlds have anticipated it offer also offering a musical delight that would set the streaming universe abuzz. As viewers turned into the episode, there was a widespread sense of anticipation about its feedback. And the verdict, an unbe- unbelievable success. By the next day, August 4th, 2023, the subspace wrap to the album was released across all major platforms, climbing swiftly to dominate top charts top album charts, notably hitting a prominent spot on iTunes. But what makes Subspace Rhapsody stand out? The answer lies in a combination of brilliant songwriting by Kay Hanley and Tom Pollack, of letters to Sela Fame and stellar vocal renderings by the Strange New World cast of Strange New Worlds, with hits like Status Report hitting number seven, and the album itself maintaining a strong position in the iTunes charts, it's clear listeners are enamored. Ah, Subspace Rhapsody is charting at the tunes, music, charts, and soundtrack, and albums. Number one, uh, top 100 soundtracks, and number three, top 100 albums. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Impressive. I say so. I've, I haven't listened to as much lately, but I've been busy. But I still love listen, love to sit in there listening to that soundtrack, and listening to the music that goes with it. The way they put these songs together just was incredible. No and, wonder uh, it's number have... one for us and number three for fans. And uh, we have a caller on the line, guys. So let me see if I can get my thing to answer. Maybe. Come on, Gremlins. Pick it up. There we go. Good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Yeah, my name's Joe. Can you hear me? Hey, what's up, Joe? Hey. You know, I'm not that much of a Star Trek. I, I like Star Trek, but I'm not a Trekkie. But I did see about, about a couple of months ago this one... Uh, Star Trek movie. Uh, I think it was the beginning of the series. I forget the name of it, but it was a recreation of, of the characters of Spock and uh, Captain Kirk. Have you, you guys must have seen it. Now, outside of the um, special effects, which I thought were terrific, 
I thought the uh, the entire presentation was eh, almost amateurish. Are you uh, are you talking about a fan made series, or are you talking about like a professional TV show? Because I feel like we've got many choices based on what you just said. Yeah, no, it's not made by fans. It was made, I think, by Paramount, and which kind of surprised me because uh, the special effects, like I said, were very professional. Uh, but yeah. the acting. Uh, ugh. You know, I almost wonder, I'm not sure if it's made by Paramount. I know it uh, is played on Hulu right now, but are you thinking about the Orville, maybe? No, that doesn't ring a bell with me. Uh, I think it's uh, it, in the title, Star Trek something or other. This is, I think is it's it the a TV picture? Series. Is it Star Trek the Did it have V'ger uh, in it? couldn't tell you. I think it was a TV series. It yeah. was a recreation of like the 1966 series. Uh, I am wondering if it was this web series that was on for quite a while called Star Trek Continues. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, oh. because that one looks exa- – it's shot exactly like the uh, original series from the, you know, the 60s, except there's different actors in there. And they actually got a lot of uh, – uh, stars who had been on the show to make guest appearances, but it's the sets and the lighting and the way it's shot looks exactly like the uh, old show out of the 60s. I'm wondering if it might have been that, but you can find it on YouTube yeah. very easily. Yeah. Well, I saw it on either Pluto or Crackle, and um, yeah, it might have been that because everything was like the uh, it was a recreation of the uh, of the series with different actors, of course, because the original actors have grandchildren now. So these people were, um, but they were called Spock, Captain Kirk, Bones, etc. And um, nah, it, and the remake was no good as far as I was concerned. Yeah, it was probably one of these series that is kind of adjacent to what Paramount is actually doing in terms of the official Star Trek series. That would be my guess. Um. Oh, all right. Um, I wish I could describe it better, but I I don't remember the name, but I figured you guys would. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you know, there's a lot of fan stuff out there these days, and some of it's pretty good, and some of it is kind of marginal. And then there's a lot of stuff like what Paul was just talking about here, which is kind of uh, you know official series adjacent stuff that is out there. So uh, yeah, appreciate you bringing it up. And uh, you know, what is, what is your favorite Star Trek? Like, in I know you said you're not much of a Trekkie, but you must care about it enough to call into the podcast. Do you have like a favorite character, or a favorite show? Let me see. Uh, not really. I like the. Okay. Um, I like the. Yeah, not really. All right, we'll take it easy, guys. Bye bye. All right, take care, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. All right, guys. Well, believe it or not, that wraps up the show. Hard to believe we got everything in, um, which is awesome. So that's pretty cool. And uh, before we go, though, I want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Eric. Absolutely. I had a blast, guys. Thanks. And before we don't want to forget David, David already had to go, but thank you, David. We also want to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul. Super fun, man. I'm hoping we get uh, season three of uh, Strange New World sooner rather than later. Woo! Oh, that would be awesome. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Going to take a quick break, grab dinner, and get into... uh, 
Lower Decks. So next week we'll be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, which are two episodes that aired tonight. One of them is called Tuvix, and the other one is called uh, I'd Run Away If I Had Bones or something like that. We're going to talk about both of those episodes next week. So if you're a Star Trek Lower Deck, definitely want to hang out with us next Thursday. Same bat time. And a very short trek. bat channel. Yeah. And very <laughs> short track too. Very short. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. We're going to be very yeah. short. A very so I guess short, it's short, be a short clip. Short clip, we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Very short, yes. We'll probably spend more time talking about the clip than the, lo- the length of the clip. <laughs> But at any rate, that'll be next week. So, so don't forget to tune in and check that out if you're a Lower Decks or if you're a fan of Star Trek animation. You definitely want to be here next week. And don't forget, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. Head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'd love to have you as part of our family. I'm the most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Fail. Good night, folks. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.